Now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another quarantined edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill on the northwest side of Chicago. During this tough time where a lot of people are struggling and looking for places to eat, Coach's stays open via Grubhub to deliver some food. But either way, we've got a very special guest on the show today, my uncle, Greg Young. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me here. So you have a, a very interesting life as a Cubs fan. But before we get into it a little bit, I just want to ask, how did your Cubs fan um, fandom start? You know, it's it's uh, I've I've thought about that a few times. I don't really know. It just seems like I've always been a Cub fan since I was a little kid. I know that my dad he followed the Cubs when they were winning. So when I was a kid, that wasn't very often. But um, I just I've always been a Cub fan. I I don't really know how it came about, but I just as long as I can remember, I've been one. When you were growing up, who were your some who were some of your favorite players to watch and follow? Uh, well, in the early seventies, when I really remember following them, um, Ernie Banks, Don Kessinger, Glenn Becker, um, that era is when I really started following the Cubs. Uh, early seventies, um, and kind of was with them all the way up until now. So, and if but you- yeah, Ernie Banks was really one of my favorites when I was a kid. And if you had to pick a favorite player uh, of all time from the Cubs, is it somebody from that era or a little bit later? My favorite Cub of all time is Ryan Sandberg. So, and that's really when he was in his heyday when I lived across the street from Wrigley Field. Um, he's just always epitomized what I what I thought a Cub should be, and he's the, he's the greatest feeling second baseman I ever saw in my life, and he. And that back in that era, he he had power, and you know produced RBIs, which a lot of second basemen didn't do. And uh, he just always—I don't know how it happens—but you get a soft spot for a certain, you know, guy. And I've always had a real soft spot for him. I've asked my dad this question. Uh, I'll ask it to you. When when you look at fielding second basemen and fielding infielders, if you had to pick one, would you take Javi or Ryan Sandberg? <laughs> You know what? Javi is the best fielder in general that I've ever seen in my life. He's the most exciting baseball player I can ever remember watching. And I didn't see Roberto Clemente or some of those guys, but just he's must see TV when he's when he's on the field. Um, he, the, the tags he makes at second base, and whether he's playing second or short, I mean, he's spectacular. So I would have to go with I would have to go with Javi. Would you say he's your favorite player currently, or is it Rizzo or somebody else? You know what? Those two are my, are my, are my, are my favorite. I, I, I love Rizzo. Um, I, I remember watching him a few years before they started getting good, and like he was like the only good guy in the team. Mm-hmm. And he really, he really kept up his standards uh, and really excelled you know, when he got Bryant next to him. But um, those, those two guys are my favorite right now. And you mentioned just a, a few answers ago that you did live across the street from Wrigley. How did that come about? Well, um, I actually started dating your your aunt, and I was living out here in the suburbs, and I was driving in to see her, and I, I always wanted to live by the lake for an actual. So I said to, um, you know, my, my wife now, but, you know, the girl I was dating, which is your aunt, I said, hey, can you find me an apartment by the lakefront? Just look in a local paper. 
And she says, hey, you know what? I'm going through the paper here, and there's one here that doesn't say it's not the lakefront, but it says you were able to view all cup games from your roof. I said, call that guy and tell him we'll take it. <laughs> she said, let's go look at it. So the first apartment we looked at in that area was, I don't remember the address, but it was it was on Sheffield, and it was the first building next to the Red, red Top parking lot. And we walked in, and Anthony, I got to tell you, it was the worst apartment I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, when, you, when you're walking up the stairs, it was on the third floor. When you walked up the stairs, you had to walk over a door that was laying in the hallway. You got into the apartment, and it looked like it was just like a rat's nest. But it had a big picture window, and as you walked towards the picture window, all you saw was Wrigley Field. And I, I wanted to take that apartment so bad, but um, my future wife said... If you take this apartment, I will never come over here. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm not going to take it then. So she's like, why don't we just drive down the street? Because in the city, they, they put signs in the window that say apartment for rent. We got about halfway down the block at 3637 Sheffield. And uh, we saw a sign in the window. We called that guy. And he had a garden apartment for sale. with, uh, But you had rights to the roof. So we ended up, I ended up taking that apartment and um, had rooftop rights which was a great thing so so yeah nowadays nowadays that is owned by the ricketts that film is owned by the ricketts and um but back then this was a, i moved in in 1987 back then there was no i mean there was no bleachers on the roofs you really took a lawn chair up there with you and you sat in your lawn chair and you watched the game basically so and for for some of us listening who may not know explain what rooftop rights were so in that building um, everybody was allowed to have three parties of 50 people every year, every tenant in that building. And then besides those parties, you could go up any game. So you could go up on the roof and on the, on the roof, he had like indoor, outdoor carpet on the roof. He had a, he had a bathroom up on the roof. He had a bar on the roof. He had a gas grill on the roof. There were no bleachers. Um, but really, I mean, back then, I mean, when I was a kid and I mean, back in the seventies, you know, and they would, I used to watch the Cubs on WGN. It would every now and then it would span the building across the street, and you would see a couple people standing up on the roofs watching the games or whatever. It was always those things that was kind of nov a novelty that you would like to do someday. Um, and then as time went on, and people saw that they could make money. As a matter of fact, next to the building next to my where I lived was the first um, guy who actually bought the building and started charging. He made it like a club and started charging people. Um, to come up on his roof. So uh, when I had rooftop rights, nobody ever charged anything. It was like you invited your friends, you invited your family. Um, you guys, you probably know your dad was up there many times with me. Um, so yeah, it was more of like a community than it is now. Now it's like, you know, you, you buy a ticket just like you're buying tickets to get inside the park. So there's a lot different back then, but um, really, it was really a good time. And you said you, you got there in 1987. How long did you live up there? So when I moved in in 87, it was after the season was already over. So my first season was 88, 1988. And that's the that's year they turned on the lights. They had the lights for the first time. Um, and then 89, they won the division. And then 1990, they had the All-Star Game. And that was my last season there. So uh, I was there for three seasons. And every season something happened so 
they actually, I actually got pictures. I'll have to show you my scrapbook sometime. Of uh, I got them like loading the lights with the helicopter on, you know, up above the, you know, they parked the, they parked the helicopter right on the infield when they were putting the lights up and stuff. So uh, I got some pretty exciting pictures. So and that was the last All Star game in nineteen ninety, the last All Star game that uh, Wrigley had. So. Yeah, it was so, exciting times. What What are some of the highlights and moments that you saw from up there? Well, the 89 playoffs um, was a lot of fun against the Giants. Um, and that's when they had Will Smith and they had um, a couple other guys. Um, and it was really – they had Greg, Greg Maddox, and it was really kind of the start of Greg Maddox. became Greg Maddox, you know, in that season. And – uh uh, the first night game was was pretty cool. It, it only lasted about four innings before it got rained out, but um, and then they actually played the next night. Um, and back then they didn't have any concerts, so I didn't have a chance to see any concerts back then from the rooftop. Um, and you know, then the All Star game. The All Star game was uh, the year that Ryan Sandberg hit forty homers, and at, he had twenty five at the All Star break. So um, when they introduced him. Um, when they introduced the team and they introduced him at the all-star game, it was electric. So, you know, there's, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of good times up there. And, you know, there, there have been stories in some, um, videos of Cubs players, whether it be Dave Kingman or, or Sammy Sosa a few years after that hitting balls that end up on the rooftops. Did you guys ever get any souvenirs like that? No, no. I, I remember Glenn and Glenn Allen Hill hit one. Um, that that didn't didn't get to my rooftop, but um, almost hit my car. Actually, because oh, wow. <laughs> I used to, used to park in. I didn't actually have parking, but um, this particular time I was parked on Sheffield in front of my apartment building, and uh, I mean it came like almost almost hit it. But it's a pretty good poke to to put one on a roof over there. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think Glen Allen Hill is the only one I ever saw that actually made it to a roof. Um. Sosa hit, hit some that were, you know, pretty, pretty out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of times they'd go down the street and you know, you'd see people chasing them down the street and stuff like that. And they got the ball hawks out there every game and they're mm -hmm. with, with their gloves and everything. So since you uh, moved out, have you ever gotten a chance to go back to your rooftop or any rooftop since then? I did. I did. So uh, I've been to a couple different rooftops, which is kind of interesting because when I lived there, I only I was only on my rooftop. So I've been to a couple different rooftops, seen the different views. But on my rooftop, um, actually, a couple of years ago, um, Deb, my wife, she um, got tickets for a rooftop on my old rooftop uh, for my birthday. So it happened to be a, a Sunday night um, uh, ESPN game of the week. Which was which was kind of fun and interesting. So, yeah. So I got I had to go back there and I got to see what the roof is like now that it's actually a business as opposed to, you know, like I told you before, I was just friends and stuff up there. So it's 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 a totally different experience than it was before. That built bleachers and all kinds of stuff, you know. So. And that brings me actually to my next question: What do you think of what the Cubs and the Ricketts family have have done with the rooftops? Um. Well, you know what. Me personally, just because I lived there before and I experienced it in that way, I, I wish it could have stayed that way, the way it was. Um, I mean, and it's it's fine now. I mean, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind going there and being on the roof, and you know, it's a different perspective than being in the park, which is fine and everything. But 
it's just one of the, I guess it's maybe it's kind of sentimental in, in my perspective of wanting it to be the way it was. But now, I mean, they built the bleachers so you're higher, so you actually get to see deeper into the park, more stuff up against the wall and stuff. So it's a different, a little bit different perspective. But before you were up there with your friends, you know, you knew everybody on the roof, you know, your neighbors, you know, uh, sometimes even the people on the roof next to you. So it's more of like a, family environment or a friendly environment than it is like sitting next to somebody in the ballpark that you don't even know it's kind of like the way it is now so it's different it's different but you know um i, I guess ricketts wants to own i i wish he would just shut down those streets during the game so it was kind of like it is in boston where you can just like walk around the whole park and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a whole environment like that so but if if you look at it in in the other way, it, it gives more people a chance to experience a game from the rooftop, which in that way is a plus, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I I, I got to tell you, if you've never been on a rooftop, I mean, it, it is a totally different perspective than being in being in the ballpark. Um, and back before they built up the bleachers, like in my, my roof or when I was on my roof, if something went up against the right field wall you wouldn't see it because you can only see about maybe half the outfield up until, you know, so anything that went up against the wall, you'd have to listen to the crowd and what they would react. You would know what happened or whether he caught it or bounced off the wall or whatever. So it was kind of fun. You know, we also had the radio up there. So we'd be listening to the radio broadcast, you know, during, during the game. So, um, but it's, it's it is, it is different to see a, a game from up on the roof. And you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Boston and, and that kind of seems like the route the Cubs have been looking to go, kind of making it almost Cubs town in that little area. They have the the new hotel, the little park, all the different restaurants and bars. What do you think of how the Cubs have managed that whole little neighborhood over the last few years? Well, I think you said a, a key word right there is like, what makes Wrigley unique is it's, it's smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. So it's not, I mean, well, it seems like lately they've kind of built around Wrigley, but originally uh, Wrigley was just part of the neighborhood. I mean, it's just like a building that was in the neighborhood and people dealt with, you know, the people coming in and out of their neighborhood to go there. So now it seems like they've kind of purchased or tried to purchase most of the land around there so that they can um, kind of do like, like you said, like the Boston thing where it would be like they own not only Wrigley, but all the surrounding area around Wrigley as well. So. Um, what do I think of that? I mean, I think it's a great thing that they could like create parking lots and uh, the hotel is a great thing for people to come in to see Wrigley um, from out of town that they can stay there and walk right across the street, to, you know, to a ball game, which is which is awesome. And Wrigley's for as long as I've been a Cub fan, has needed parking, you know, an area to park where you could park your cars and stuff like that. So I think it's a good thing if it's gonna if it's gonna produce money that they're gonna pour back into the team. Uh, and spend it on players and get better, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. And before I let you go, I've got three non-rooftop-related questions. So, obviously, Ernie Banks, Ron Santo, Billy Williams, and Harry Carey are statued outside <clears throat> outside of Wrigley Field. If you had to guess who would be the next player to get a statue, or I guess a moment, what would you pick? Well, I told you before, I got a soft spot for Sandberg, so I, I would love to see something there. To me, he's like the—he's always been like the ultimate cup for me. Um, I've just loved him since the since the time I seen him play. Um, so I, I would like to see something like that for him. Um, 
Santa was a great thing. I know you know that that was your dad's favorite player, and he was such a great, great listen on the broadcast. So I'm glad I did something for him. Um, out of the current players, I mean, it's 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 kind of fun to think about who you think. I mean, like Rizzo is pretty much, in my opinion, the heart and soul of that team. Right. So I, I, maybe something in the future for him. You know, um, I'd love to see Javi get an extension, stay around for the rest of his career, and, and uh, you know, maybe something for him. So those are a couple of the guys. See, I don't know if this would even be possible, um, the, the way to do this, but I would almost want, like, a massive statue of the 2016, um, like, last out. You've got Bryant and Rizzo hugging, Baez and Russell, Montgomery and uh, Montero are out there, Coglin's jumping around. If they could fit all those guys into one statue, that'd be something else. That would be pretty cool. You're right about that. That would be pretty cool. So the, I never even thought about that, but that's, that's, that's a great, it's a great image. And the, the next question I have for you, I know we've talked about it before. It's been a, a topic at, at some family uh, parties. If you had to make your Cubs Mount Rushmore, which four athletes, coaches, broadcasters would be on it? Hmm. So you got to have Ernie Banks on there. Um, and when I, when I was growing up, another guy who was just fantastic was Billy Williams. Um, and he was always fun to watch. Um, uh, me personally, I'd probably put Andre Dawson on there just because, you know, he would, he didn't have longevity as far as staying a long time with the Cubs, but man, oh man, what a player he was. Um, and that was right in my heyday when I was living across the street and got to see him a lot. Um, and Sandberg would, would go on there. Uh, broadcasters, we already got Harry. Um, Jack Brickhouse, they haven't really done a statue, but I know they've got some stuff, you know, they got, they got some stuff up there. Hey, hey, they have around the park and stuff like that. When I was a kid, he was, he was the broadcaster really that, that I grew up listening to the Cubs with. Um, so that, that's some of the stuff I would do. Yeah. And, and it seems like the Cubs have done a, a pretty good job to honor some of those guys. If I had to make mine, I would probably go Ernie for sure. I think you have to include him. He's the Mr. Cub. And then I would also go Rizzo because I think he's this generation's Mr. Cub and he has a, a ring to his name. Um, and then the final two could be any of the the four of Sandberg, Williams, um, Fergie Jenkins even could get on there, um, Santo as well. So I think for you and for my dad, I'll go Sandberg and Santo to round out my four. I can't argue with you, that's for sure. And uh, final question we have for you, and we don't know if there will be baseball this year or when it will come, but when and if there is baseball this year, how do you think our Cubbies will do? Well, you know, I it's an interesting – they didn't really do a lot, so it's kind of an interesting topic. Did they underachieve the last couple of years? Um, was the whole Madden thing – I mean, I personally, in my opinion, I liked Madden. And it's going to be interesting to see how anybody else does in there. But, I mean, he changed the culture. But do I think they underperformed the last couple of years? I do think they underperformed the last couple of years. And, and there was a lot of things with the schedule where they played 20, 30 days in a row, whatever it was, and they were tired. But um, I, I do think that they could make some, maybe through season, make some bullpen 
you know, arms, get get some arms in here for the bullpen. And they, I, I think they could win the division. I really do. Um, as far as going further, I don't know if anybody's going to beat the Dodgers. Um, they seem to be pretty much pretty well stacked. Um, but I do really think that the Cubs got a chance to go to the playoffs. If they, and maybe a shortened season would help the Cubs, to tell you the truth, as opposed to 162 games. If they shorten it to maybe 120 games or something, that might bode well for them. So, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I'm excited to see how they'll do. I really wish Madden was still here, though, because um, I tell you what, you know, that Mount Rushmore, Madden might be in there because he's the only Cub in 100 and what, 15 years that, that, that has won a championship. So he had to be doing something right. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I've always been a big Madden fan. My dad and my brother were a little bit more get him out of there, get somebody new in. I think uh, Uncle Gus was the same way. But I I like Madden, but I also like what Ross brings to the table, you know, kind of tougher on the fundamentals because they did struggle defensively and on the bases. But, you know, you look at the division, the Brewers didn't get better. The Cardinals didn't get better. The Pirates aren't that good. Did the Reds make enough moves to improve by 20, 30 games? That's tough to say. And then you've got the Cubs with virtually the same roster that underachieved. you got a new coach in there. I, I like their chances to win the division. I think I'm with you in that regard. And then in the playoffs, obviously it looks like the Dodgers or the Braves have a little bit better of a roster. But, you know, the Nationals ended up winning it all last year, and I don't think they were the best team on paper. So I guess anything could happen. Well, the Dodgers, the Dodgers have been the best team on paper for a couple of years in a row, right? I mean, they haven't won it. So they've underachieved with anything. So, you know, Kershaw's another year older. So he's got a, he's got a lot of miles on that arm, too. So, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, as we know, injuries play a big part. And you can't count on them, you know. So whoever is the most healthiest team might be considered the best team at the end. Yeah, that's another good point. And I, I think you also hit the nail right on the head with a shortened season being able to help the Cubs. You know, down the stretch, it's been the story of the last two seasons. Guys like Lester and Quintana and, and Hamels, their arms were getting kind of weak towards the end of the year. They couldn't pitch deep into ball games, which tired out the bullpen. If you shorten it to 80, 100, 120 games, maybe those arms are still fresh and the Cubs end up with a higher seed going into the playoffs. Who knows? And I kind of mentioned it before, too. They, they played a lot of games in a row with no days off, if you remember. And that it really started wearing on the bullpen and everybody, actually. So, you know, you get a shorter season and a little bit more rest. Maybe that's good for me. Yeah, that's a good point. And with that, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Uncle G. Hey, thanks for having me in. And as always, this episode, past episodes, and future episodes are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. Just a quick message from me. Um, Hope all of you are out there staying safe and staying healthy. We hope this podcast can bring you a little entertainment and maybe a smile during these tough times. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.